Okay. Let's get in the message. Moment of radical change. Moment of radical change. Who need a radical change in their life today? A radical change right now, this moment, your life, where you're at in your finance, in your mind, in your home, in your children. Who needs a radical change? Okay. Many of us aren't even aware that our identity has been stolen through the lack of knowledge. Your identity, your original identity, have been stolen through the lack of knowledge. And the lack of knowledge is not knowing who our creator is. So you're still living as Sammy. See, Sammy's still living as Sammy. See, when we keep living, Renee, as your old identity... You lack the knowledge of who you really are. See, I'm going to give you the answer in the beginning. Because I ask God, why don't your people love you? Those who are called by your name. And what is the greatest commandment? And upholds all the other commandments. Anybody know? The greatest commandment. See, yeah, bummer, yeah. I think it is to love. I believe it's to You know why? You're not confident in what God has said. He has commanded you to love him with all your heart, all your mind, and your strength with your whole existence. With everything. And then the second is to love your neighbor as you would love yourself. He says, the word of God says this. If you don't obey that commandment, which upholds all the other commandments, this is why you can't love me. Because you won't obey me. Okay. Real simple. Why the people of God don't love God. Not only, like, oh, why won't we praise? Why, why don't we really genuinely worship? Why don't we really, you know, get in your presence, don't want to ever leave? Why we don't feel like that? He says, because you don't know your identity. Your identity is not your new birth for you. It's still your earth birth name, Andrea. So this is why I can't seem to live the Christian life. This is why I can't feel God. This is why I can't connect to God. I can't connect to something spiritual with an earthly identity. Okay. We're quoting the scripture. We're saying the scripture, but we can't live the scripture. And this is why. It's a struggle. It's a fight with your Christian identity. Our root of our faith 
is found in the Old Testament. When you first get saved, they tell you to go to the New Testament. Go to the book of John. That's what I was told. It's a good book to go to. Because it says, guess what it says? In the beginning. So guess what you should do? Go to in the beginning. Get out the New Testament and go in the Torah, the instruction for us and how to live. Your original root is in the Old Testament. Your original faith is there. This is why they got, we have over 40,000 denominations. 40,000. You know why? They fell away from their identity. It's one thing. This is why when you kind of look at them, they, most of them are similar. Their belief, right? Because the original one was all going north, one direction. See, then you, the other groups start to go north, but it's not the exact, which is called the absolute on the compass. There is an absolute north and there's a north. See, this is how you can be going the wrong way. But I'm going to church. I'm hearing the word. I'm quoting the word. I'm, I'm praising God. I'm worshiping. I'm doing all these things. But you're not doing an absolute direction to the truth. You're going away by the truth, but not the absolute truth. We have a full set of beliefs in our own mind, which we think are consistent with biblical teachings. You have your own way of thinking. This is why some just decide, you know what? Everybody's got it wrong, and I got it right now. Just stay home. I don't need this God stuff. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'll just serve God the way that I want to. I don't think. It's so much as like a child. The parent is raising them. And they feel like, hey, I don't want to do, I feel, I have my own belief system in how I should be running this house. And that's what some children try to do. Okay. We are not open to be proven wrong. Just not open. You have a defiant spirit, even at this moment in which I speak, defiant. And I speak to that defiant spirit. You're not even open to be proven wrong to new insights. Because you have your own belief systems. You go ahead and do what you want. We have become neutral Christians. See, their own belief system is, is something else because even when confronted with the truth, some of us don't want to change because change means aggressive growth and interrogation. See, aggressive growth and interrogation, it comes for your belief system. It comes for what you believe is right and is wrong. Oh, you don't want to be interrogated. You don't want to be interrogated by the truth. 
you're satisfied with the status quo. I will accept my current affairs and I won't change. Even if you don't say it, your actions are speeding, speaking louder than your words. Hmm. Radical. What does radical mean? Radical is a supporting change. It's a root origin that is to favor an extreme. See, you favor extreme changes in existing views, habits, conditions, and institution, which means your brain and how you think and what governs you. It means that you are ready for and you support an extreme change in your existing views, your habits, your condition, and your institution of belief system, system that governs you. You have an entire courtroom and your district system inside of you is that declaring laws and you are following them. Believing or expressing the belief that there should be a great extreme social, economic, and political change. Causing or, being, or even being an example of a great change yourself. Okay, radical change. See, you're real comfortable with your life even though it sucks. Yeah, you become accustomed to the current affairs and status quo. I've all, you know, I've always done this. I've always said this. I know, you know, I probably really never really have any money. I probably know always be the way that I am. Yes, you have, you have accepted the status quo. And you're not willing to change or to be interrogated by the absolute truth to bring you out to radical change. And this, this is so good, Pastor, because this is the moment that you can receive radical change right in this message. You don't have to stand for your life being in the current the current state that is in. Amen. You're going to have to see when you change, you got to be ready for this radical change because it's going to move people and things out the way. You have to be ready for this radical change. It's going to move loved ones out the way. Okay. Are you ready? Are you really ready for a radical change? Because it says it affects your social, economic, so your finances is going to change. How you view things, your behavior, what you used to take, you're not going to take from people anymore. You're not going to be that doormat anymore. You're not going to use the word on me anymore. I know the word of God. I know love, and this is not love. I'm going to need you to back up. Yeah, God placed you over me as my head. And that is my covering. 
but he didn't place you over me as my head to beat on me with the word of God. Radical change. The moment of radical change can and will, catch this, define your identity. Radical change can and will change your identity. See, it was a day that when I was going through all what I was going through in my life, you know, the, the whole sad story, everybody, when it comes to finance, okay, you lose something, all right, you get something, lose a car, lose home, all these things, you know, war with me. I had my war with me journey. But I took the time to look at my woes, and I didn't realize then what I did. But past what I said to my situation and my social, my social economic status, I said this, this is not the life that God intended for me to have. Amen. And when I said that, I was changing my identity. Amen. Because for me to live like that means that I accepted my old identity, Amen. my fallen state. I hope you are getting this. It defines your identity, which in turn will define your entire life. Your entire life, everything about you. And I'm not going to go in details with all that because we, we have some things to cover. That moment could be hearing this word now because believers need to experience a moment of radical change. And why do we need to experience? So we can stop battling with our identity as a Christian. This is what you're doing. Anytime that you're all sad, depressed, you're battling your identity. Anytime you are sad, see, that's not God. You know why? God said, I didn't give you the spirit of heaviness. I've given you the garment of praise. So when you're feeling and walking in that state of heaviness, God said, you're battling against your Christian identity, who you really are. I really hope, I'm, I'm going to keep saying this through, I really hope you're getting this. Amen. Now we only need to wrestle with change and struggle with God. Oh. See, you want to reign with Christ but you don't want to suffer with him. You want to, so with the things that you're going through, oh, and I don't think this is going to work out, and, and they telling me this, or oh, you, whatever you think is just so bad and make you sad and make you all depressed, whatever, the, whatever when you get into your feelings, whatever they are. He said you should wrestle with change. People of the living God, do you, do, do you hear me? You shouldn't be wrestling with your identity, who you are. You should be wrestling with change because my situation, because I'm born again, should change. And you shall wrestle with change and struggle with God. Oh, to be born again, you're going to have to live this life for real. You're going to have to live this life for real. Let's go and uh, see what 
In Genesis 32, we're going to go amplify it, Minister Al. Genesis 32, verse 22 through 30. And this is the story of Jacob. Now, we all hear the story of Jacob, right? When he wrestled with, they say the angel, but it's really God. He wrestled with God. And so reads Genesis chapter 32, beginning in verse 22 in the Amplified Bible. Matter of fact, it started at 24, thanks. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. And Jacob was left alone. Stop. And Jacob was left alone. See, this is our problem. We don't want to be left alone. You want to be left alone when someone gets on your nerves, but you don't want to be left alone. I got to be with somebody. I don't want to be left alone. I got to go hang out with somebody. See, you don't want God to have you in a place alone with him. Because you can't seem to experience that he's there because, again, your identity as a Christian you keep struggling with. Go ahead, Minister Hill. And Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. And when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and Jacob's thigh was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you declare a blessing upon me. The man asked him, what is your name? And in shock of realization, whispering, he said, Jacob, supplanter, schemer, trickster, swindler. And he said, your name shall be called no more Jacob, supplanter. But Israel, contender with God, for you have contended and have power with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, tell me, I pray you, what in contrast is your name? But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And the angel of God declared a blessing on Jacob there. So he never told him his name. <laughs> Did he? Did you catch that? <laughs> they said a man. First they said a man, then says the angel of God declared. Let's go back here. First of all, he was left alone. And then he was rustling. It seemed day and night, right? And it said that they, he touched his right hip. The right hip signified the place of authority and power. He touched him on the side where normally the sword, the word, was held. He touched him on the side where his identity was. He said, but first, I need you to tell me. So it took a while for them to, for him, to, Jacob, to see himself. For Jacob to really know that you are a supplanter, you're 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 someone who schemes, you're someone who manipulates, you're a deceiver. And until you see yourself, you can't get your identity. You still keep walking in a false sense of identity, not knowing who God really is. He had to spend time alone with God to know who He was. Stop coming. Stop coming up here a sec, because I need to work this other hand. So he touched, God touched the side 
the right side, the hip of Jacob, placed again of authority and power where she would hold the sword, the word of God. So this meant that obviously she wasn't, she didn't have the right authority or power to hold the word of God, nor to lift the word of God out because you have not become this. You have not become the authority and power of God by living the word of God. And so he kept saying, what's your name? Why do you see? And this is why when you get taught this and, and you hear a certain words like, why? I mean, why does she have to teach like that? Why? Why is it always these hard messages? Because God wants to know your name. Who are you really? Who are you really? What are you doing? How's your stewardship? I need to know who you are. Are you praising me? Are you worshiping? I need to know. Are you my child? And then until Jacob got tired. Of not being who he was called to be. So when you get tired. And you have enough of your wretched life. You, you got to get tired and tired and tired. So Lord God this is enough. God going to touch you on the right side of your hip. He's going to place authority and power you. And give you your birth name from heaven. He says your name now is no longer supplanter, deceiver. But your name now is Israel. The greatest blessing. He said, I'll bless you now. He said, now he said, what happened to me that I have the most? This blessing here surpassed my all my understanding because this blessing gave me my name. Contender with God. I struggle with God. I suffer with God. He said in shock and whispering, he said, Jacob, supplanters. See, he was in shock who he really was. The man asked him, what is your name? And in shock and realization and whispering, he said, he whispered, Jacob, schemer, I'm a trickster. I'm a swindler. See, we don't want to say it out loud. See, but he was so tired, that's probably why he could only whisper. And he finally gave up his self-will. And God's see, it's young. See, I won't try to preach y'all. I'm not trying to preach. And he said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, supplanter, but Israel. Contender, because you have contended and have power with God and also with men. And you have prevailed. You have overcome. See, this is why when you, you go on these jobs, you see, you, got, you have to be living a life because I'm not just getting a job. I'm on a mission from God. And because I am a contender with God, I have power with God and also men. So when I come in for the interview, you're being favored and graced because I'm here. He struggled with him. Jacob said, yeah. he called the name that 
the place where he struggled with God was pinnacle, the face of God. See, brother, until you get to really meet the face of God. See, a lot of people saying they're going up to heaven and God told them this. God. See, if you really see the face of God, there's going to be a dramatic change in you, your home. See, because darkness and light cannot dwell in the same place. It cannot dwell in the same place. And not that you choose to leave, but because darkness cannot remain. He said, for I've seen God face to face, and my life was spared and not snatched away. See, a lot of us saying that we're going to the presence of God, but you can't possibly go in the presence of God in that state of identity. Because if you're saying, God had mercy on me because who I was trying to come in his presence. And I had to say, I had to repent about who I was. He makes Jacob understand what real authority is. What real authority is. By changing his name. The moment your name is changed. Your mission changed. See, what's your mission? What's your mission? Is it just to go to work? Nine to five? Work yourself to death? Time, see, a lot of people, when they retire, two or three years later, they die. So what's your mission? Get various rankings and recognition, a few plaques on the wall. What's your mission? Okay. Amen. See, a company has a mission statement. And why? Because they need to see where they're headed. And then they begin to evaluate their mission statement. They don't always leave the same every year. So what about your life? What are your standards? What's your mission of your life statement? Is it supplanter, trickster, schemer? If you don't have a mission, you don't have an identity. If you don't have a mission, people of God, you have no identity and you have no direction. This is why we get up and go to work every day. And this is the most important thing for you because you get a wage. That's all you get is a wage. Wearing down your body, your mind. Half the people getting on your nerves is there. Some of the supervisors cussing you out. Okay. Until you get a mission, you won't have direction. Jacob, change of name, once who deceived was to one who struggles with God and also rules with him. So now he rules with God. The need to know your identity. 
Only then will you learn your mission. That's the need. You'll be able to read the signs. See, this is why the word, again, is not exciting. We, we had the eclipse. We, the, we know the blood moons, all the, the signs, the stars, the moon, the signs, not zodiac, but the signs. The things are symbolic in the word of God. The idioms that's in the word of God. He said, you don't know your identity. This is why you don't know the signs. It's only a mystery to those that don't know me. The scripture will come alive if you know your identity. See, this is why the word of God is not real to you right now. It's because you don't know your identity. And you're waiting to hear, you know, a story. Make it interesting. Make it exciting because of your emotions. You need to know your identity because you will understand and you will be connected with your creator. Stop faking it. Stop faking it. I'm gonna just give fair warning. Stop faking it. Because I'm gonna come, I'm gonna come to you that's faking it. Because you know why? It's just like your kid. They're fibbing all the time. You know, see, and that fibbing, fibbing all the time is gonna be a part of their life and who they are. And they won't be able to grow. And I love you too much for you not to grow. Stop fibbing that you, you are actually loving God. You're living the word of God. You're going to have to be accountable. There have to be a spiritual evaluation of you, your life. Stop faking your relationship with God. Identities in the Bible. There are a lot of main identities in the word of God. Jews, Gentile, Israelites, the house of Israel, house of Jacob, pagans, heathen, and Christians. Right? So how do you define these identities? Where do you really fall in at? Do you really know? What is a Jew? What is a Gentile? If you really don't know, I bet you really don't know your identity. So they have all these identity, right? But which one's most talked about, identified? I'll repeat them again. And that was not a rhetorical question. I won't answer. The main identities in the word of God, Jews, Gentile, Israelites, the house of Israel, the house of Jacob, pagans, heathens, Christians. So which is the one that's most talked about in the word? Israelites. And you said how you said house of Israel? See, the one the one that's the most talked about. Israel. Good. You're right. <laughs> and if you're wrong, there's nothing wrong with that. We we just correct it, right? Amen. So with all of those, where are you? The house of Judah? See, the question is this. Why is it Jews? Then you have Gentiles. Then you have Israelites. Then you have the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Right? Pagans, heathens, 
than Christians. Okay. Well, I'm going to try to make, break this down. I'm going to end right at 1.30. Oh, wow. Let's break it. How can I break it down? Uh, let's go to, well, Matthew 22, 32 says this. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. So the God of Abraham... Why do they use Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Just that's a rhetorical. Just I need to get you to thinking, where do I fall in? Because Israel started out as one kingdom. Right? But then there was a division between the north and the south. Question is why? So you have then that division, which is really, and keep, keep in mind everything that God has in the word, which was God-breathed, is heaven is parallel to earth. All right? So there was a group of the Israelites that actually, not only, they both disobeyed God. Let's just put that out. <laughs> but it was broken down or broken into 10 in the northern and two in the south. So the 10 in the northern, they actually went, they disobeyed God, not only disobeyed God, but they went out and disobeyed God and became part of the world. They assimilated with the world, the world culture, the deeds, kind of sound like church. And so this was really the birth of now these denominations. Division. Division. So they went out, not only disobeyed, and they, did, they stopped following God. They stopped living and um, adhering to all the customs and all the feasts they became. They started doing Halloween, Christmas, everything. They became, see, it's a big deal. It's not that, oh, they just didn't, you know, we shouldn't do it. I'm, why? Where did it come from? Where did Christmas and Easter and all these things come from? God says to keep his feast. But because they went off, the, the northern didn't come back. This is their problem. They didn't return, but the South, which was two tribes, they went into um, Sodom and Gomorrah. They did some sinnings, and they, they worshiped idols. They went to Babylon. They went to Babylon. Worship other gods. Self-idolatry. And that's exactly where Abraham came out from. That was really considered really the tribe of Benjamin. See, because you had all these, the 12 tribes. So with the South, I'm going to break it down to you. With the South, they became so 
alienated from the north became so alienated from the south and because of what they did and didn't return because the word of God says return to me backslider and I will receive you you just have to return see and this is where the lost Israelites are they they haven't come back no one know where they are are they anymore all the ikes all the different all those tribes where are they So you have, you have, they, they, you know, from the house of Jews. So the house of Israel was considered really to be the, the north and the house of Judah, the south. Keep in mind the number 12. Number 12, 12 actually is perfection and love. So I'm going to break it down even a little bit more for you because that number is, is very, very significant. Amen. Government pastor said. So Jeremiah says this. So I'm still asking you guys, where are we? The word of God speaks about the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Where is the house of the Gentiles? It's nowhere in the scripture. So where are we? So if you don't know that, you probably don't know your identity. We're going to learn today, right? And this is why you get, have to be careful because this is where you get the black Israelites from. Hebrew black Israelites from. They go off. See, but you, you really have to just study and examine, you know, allow the word to interpret itself and not you to interpret with your own opinion. Jeremiah 31, 31 says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. There's no house of Gentiles in the scripture. So how do we get in? We're engrafted. We're through the bride and the one new man. We could really go in real, real deep study, but um, Ephesians 2, you could actually go there uh, in your spare time. However, if we don't understand this, this is the greatest prophecy. And I want us to, I want you to understand really how God and how the prophets prophesied. What is prophecy? What really is prophecy? It's not about who you're going to marry. It's not about you having knowledge about what's going on with me. It's not about a future event about my life. It has to be a kingdom mission prophecy. It should be supporting and upgirding the prophecy of the prophets that was already spoken. If we don't understand this greatest prophecy... And mystery for some of us that was brought to us. See, and it was a three quarters of the Bible will be shut out from us if we don't get our identity. Again, the original roots, they're found in the Old Testament. And I kind of broke down all the tribes. So I'm not going to go through that. But just know 
that the northern kingdom, they continue to break the law of God. Continue. And that's what's happening now with a lot of us. We're mirroring that. We are, we are consistently breaking the law of God. And so they were pushed into all four corners of the world. God himself scattered them. And he scattered them by divorcing them. He divorced them. So, so the, the South felt this way. And they are, it's said that they all are the North or the house of Israel. They're on the side of the Euphrates River, and this is where they're all at. And they're not coming back to the north because the north says, according to the word of God and his law, that he has divorced you. And you can't come back and be a part of this tribe. See, and this is what even though what they're saying about us, really, you, you can't get in. You're not a part of the covenant that God made with the Jews. But, but what is a Jew? Okay. Talk about that. Okay. Jesus said at the end of time, the lost tribes would be found among the Gentiles. And their identity would be revealed. Catch this. When they left out of Egypt, the Israelites, do you remember ever reading or hearing that some of the Egyptians went with them? Amen. Pass the torch, y'all. Didn't y'all get it? (laughs) So with that being said, that means that the... See, Gentile, to say the word Gentile, because the Jews, they, they, they had a certain view of being that you had to be circumcised. It's not about circumcision. It's not about the blood that you're born again, but that you convert and acknowledge that he is God and you obey him. This is how those Egyptians, they were able to follow and be a part now, and they became Jews. It wasn't about a a nationality. It's the belief. That's how you got in. (laughs) You believed. So we need to discover the history of Israel to discover our identity. And as the pastor said, Hebrew simply means to cross over. And before they were called Jews, they were called Hebrews. So again, Hebrew means one who cross over. See, from death to life. And it meaning the Red Sea from death to light, symbolic. John 5, 24, and it speaks about um, passing over from uh, death to light. 
life and those who obeyed him. Belief means this, to trust and obey. See, this is why you have to be a devout Christian. Or those who have crossed over. See, I prove my belief and in my intellect by what I do. This is what belief means. See, see, this is what, to be an intellectual means this. It don't mean your IQ. You're not smart if you have the information and you won't use it. What makes you an intellectual is that you have information and you actually use it. I prove my belief intellectually by what I do. See, that's belief in Hebrew. But in Greek it means, and this is what most of us do, believe intellectual but never do anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talk the word. Discuss the word. All intellectual, kicking it back and forth, but won't do anything. Where is the scattered sheep among the Gentiles we spoke? Even with Hosea, he was, God told him he had to marry a prostitute. Again, northern Israel, the house of Israel. Hmm. Apostle Paul, so really got kind of asked the question. So who did Jesus come for? Who did Paul preach to? Who did Peter preach to? Listen to this. So, do you believe Jesus came for you directly? We're not quite sure. Yeah, yeah, it could be. Maybe not. I'm just holding down. There you go. Um, <laughs> it says salvation to the Jews first. He came. See, this is where we get mixed up. John three sixteen. Want to recite it? God so loved the world, gave him a forgotten son, that whosoever believed in him. All right. Glory to God. Oh. Ooh. Ah. Ooh. Holy Spirit was with me, right? So we get all mixed up. See, Jesus came for no. No, he didn't come for everybody. Mm-mm. Jesus came for the lost. See, this is what messes up. He came for the lost. We weren't lost because we weren't his. He came for the lost. He came to, for the lost to set them free. His covenant was made with Israel. 
So we use word, you know, God, you know, he came to set me free. Well, no, he came for the house of Israel. He came for the northern kingdom. Yeah, mess up your whole theology, man. What? Now, the actual 12 tribes, they came for us. They were here for us. But they fell. See, they, they were disobedient and they split. And they start to assimilate and become part of the world, like what we're doing. And we are missing people and not bringing them to Christ. Apostle Paul. See, he went to, how, why did they say that when Paul went, he had to go to the same people that he was crucifying and persecuting. So it couldn't have been Gentiles. He was going to those who already heard the word of God and was not obeying. Like himself. So that would be considered now also. So the southern, and also a little later, you know, the pagans and the word spread around. So it was other, you know, it was a mingled mix, but there was a primary group. That's why it's important to know your mission. Paul had a mission. And immediately, soon as he got saved, he said, Lord, what will you have me to do? See, we get saved and it's no like, you know, it's not Lord what you have me to do. It's what you want to do. So you don't know your mission. And Peter actually went to, directly to, we know him, the Jews. Because he was still stuck. He was still stuck in his mindset of a law that was established that you only go to your own. And everyone else was divorced and, not, and couldn't get in. He didn't understand. So this one new man in Ephesians uh, 2, verse 11 through 24, and I'm not going to read all that. But Christ, he has broken the middle wall of, of that separates. So again, that petition. So even on the cross. Spiritually, there was a wall, and it said it was ripped from top to bottom. No longer being a separation of the house of Israel. <sighs> right now, I love it, Renee. You're right, don't get tired. <laughs> so, Judah, we talked about Judah being. Actually, the second. That's why you're the tribe of Judah. And they are the Jewish people of today. They're the only people that didn't lose their identity. These are the Messianic. They kept the feast. They kept the teachings of the Torah. They kept the, the whole canon of Scripture. They return back to God. 
and they became and remained his people. See, what's happening is that a lot of us come to church, but we're still not his people. And he's not your God. So I can't, I can't, I can't feel his, his love. I can't, I can't feel what is bothering him. I can't feel what is causing him not to be pleased with me. Because I'm not his people. Jesus died for both houses. We talked about that. And I'm going to read John 11, 51, 52. He died for both houses. Again, John 11, 51, 52. Nor did he understand or reason out that it is expedient and better for your own welfare that one man should die on the behalf of the people than that the whole nation should perish, be destroyed, ruined. Now he did not say this simple of his own accord. He was not self-motivated, but being the high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus was to die for the nation. And not only for the nation, but also for the purpose of uniting into one body the children of God who had been scattered far and wide. So even the Holocaust... Why did he permit and allow that to happen? They didn't return back to him. Complete disobedience, taking on the world, the ways of the world. And so he scattered them. And they were taken into captivity. This is why he says, I come to set the captives free. They were scattered to all four corners of the earth for the purpose to be a witness of to the entire world. He didn't choose a nationality. This is where we get, we get so mixed up. He didn't choose a nationality. He chose a people. That would obey him such as Abraham, the father of faith. So, the clarity of the major identity of Israel is this. Israel, bridegroom. Why did he divorce her? Idolatry. According to Deuteronomy 24, an adulteress can't come back to her husband unless he dies. Unless he dies. So this is how now the northern house is able to come back because her husband has died. See, but there were sect of Jews that, uh, Jews that said, no, you can't come back. But they didn't realize the mystery of the marriage. According to Romans 7, a woman is free from adultery by the death of her husband. See, this is the good news of the bridegroom. New covenant starts here. Gentile, they are joined with Israel. Exodus 12, 49. And it says here, there shall be one law for the native-born Israel 
and for the stranger. Lost Israel. They become a stranger now to him. And the foreigners who sojourns among them. That's us. See, Exodus 12, 49 kind of sums it all up. See, when you, you, you immigrate to another place, you become, so if I'm German, I become German-American. And this is what has happened, supposedly has happened to you. We're coming up on the end. Led by the spirit versus the flesh. This is, again, with support why we can't love God, why it's impossible to love God. Romans 8, 5, 7. L, you can get that for me, please. Yes. For those, this is Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 5. For those who are according to the flesh and are controlled by its unholy desires, set their minds on and pursue those things which gratify the flesh. For those who are according to the spirit and are controlled by the desires of the spirit, set their minds on and seek those things which gratify the Holy Spirit. Now the mind of the flesh which is sense and reason without the Holy Spirit, is death. Death that compromises all, that comprises all the miseries arising from sin, both here and hereafter. But the mind of the Holy Spirit is life and soul peace, both now and forever. That is because the mind of the flesh, with its carnal thoughts and purposes, is hostile to God. For it does not submit itself to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Now, you guys have heard this before. I need you to hear it differently now. The latter part of that, Minister Al. Minister Al, hold on. Verse 6. I got it. Verse 6. Now, the mind of the flesh, which is sense and reason, without Holy Spirit, is death. Death that, it, it, it brings you misery from this arising sin, both here and hereafter. But the mind of the Holy Spirit is life, soul, peace, both now and forever. That is because the mind of the flesh, highlight verse 7, the mind of the flesh with its carnal thoughts and purposes is hostile to God. For it does not submit itself to God's law and indeed cannot. It is saying that your mind, a carnal mind, you hate God. It hates God. You can't serve God in your carnal mind because your carnal mind, it hates God. It's hostile to God. It cannot submit to God. It says void of the leading of the Holy Spirit. This is why I can't sense him. I can't feel him except I feel hatred. And I'm a hostile to his law. Oh, see, you're not working with me. This is why so many who said that they love God and you can't seem to really experience him. It's because of your carnal mind and reasoning and sense. 
you're going to keep doing what you're doing. You can't love on God. You can't really bow down to God because you hate him. Okay. Oh, this is real. This is real. It's not, oh, I got to figure out how to kneel down. I got to figure out, oh, wait a minute. But, you know, you can go somewhere beautiful and you can cry. Or somebody give you something. Let someone give you something that brings you joy. Do someone have to teach you how to smile? Okay. Football game. Any kind of game. The game of life. Okay. All those games. It says it's hostile. Some of us hate God and you don't even know it. I want you to know today, you, some of us hate God and you don't even know it. This is why you can't love him. You can't love someone you hate. This is a set me free. I'm walking in the spirit and lo- and the in my flesh, and I need to be in the spirit because if I don't, I hate God. Okay, so is it really about Israel? Because we're going to go. Twelve is considered a perfect number. Number, it is symbolic to God's power and authority, as well as serving as a perfect governmental foundation. That means, see, God's foundation was to plant his kingdom, his government inside of you to rule. The number 12 also signifies faith or the things of love that comes from faith. The actual are 12 tribes with one king and, and 12 disciples with one king. 12 baskets left over with bread and 12 thrones. Uh, the young girl that was 12 years old and she was healed. Yes, we started his teaching at 12. 12,000 from each, uh, each tribe that are sealed. They are sealed. This is where they get to the 144,000. You have 12 angels. You have 12 constellations in the heaven that tells you stories. You have 12 gates with the 12 pearls. And you also have 12 spies. Two of those spies report was positive and ten was negative. Show you symbolic again of the kingdom of Israel that was divided with the two and twelve. There are ten commandments on two tablets. There were two witnesses in, in the book of Revelation. One from the north and one from the southern kingdom. The two prodigal sons raised by the same father. One went wayward and the other one, he obeyed his father. But then the prodigal son, he returned back home, and he said all what he did wrong. And he says, he said, basically, Father, I just want to serve. Just accept me. There were ten lepers that were here. That was actually healed. Compared to the northern, they were put out again. The north, Israel was put out. The ten lepers was put out. That when they was healed, they were able to come back. When they were healed, when you're healed, you're able to come back. When when you're healed, you're able to go forth. When you're healed, you're able to go forth. When you're healed, you're able to succeed. When you're healed. I need a a husband and wife. I need a husband and wife. Can you come up? 
need to do a demonstration. Husband and wife. Stand right in front of her, in front of your wife. You, husband, stand in front of wife. See, man, see, see this, is what, this is what happens in the spirit. No, this normally is a, it's okay, Greg, I need to do this. Because this is what normally happens even in a marriage. What he did was symbolic. See, see you miss a sign. I'm so serious, you will miss a sign. And I clearly said, husband, wife, and I said, stand in front of your wife. Mm-hmm. Whether he said he heard me or not, it's about hearing and seeing signs. Okay? But normally, and we can attest to it that normally when it comes to a spiritual growth, it's normally always the woman that comes first. The man is always fighting with God. He's not struggling with God. He's fighting with God. He's hostile to God because you know why? Knowing the man is carnal. Normally the man is carnal. And the woman, she is being led by the spirit. And because she's led by the Spirit, often the man is really vexed about it because it looks like and it feels like that you're trying to usurp my authority. But because you're a carnal man, you can't lead in a carnal mind because that means that you're hostile to God. This is why you'll be fighting all the time. Just to the side here a little bit. So you missed the signs. I want you, I, I'm good for you. I want you all to know that today, if you don't get this, no, you will get this because I, you have to get this because this is your identity. And, to, and for your identity, you need your identity for, for access. You need that to go to the bank. You need that to, to, to travel. You need your, your identity in case the authority pull you over. Catch this in case God pull you over. You need your identity. And in case Satan come and try to run you over, he will recognize the authority and power that you carry. And so we have the husband here, right? Question is that, and the wife, she was in the husband. When God created man, she was already in the husband. The marriage represent Israel. Keep this in mind. Represent Israel. God's chosen people. Not a nationality, but a people. And for all those who obey his law and serve him. All right? Then you're part of his people. Why was Eve in Adam? And not the earth. So again, I'm, I'm gonna give you the answer, <laughs> but just not, but just not right now, okay? I'm, I'm gonna give it to you. 
Um, okay. All right. So, it was born as one. But then someone decides, God decides to give him a help meet. Come on, step to the side. Mm-hmm. So you can be right beside him. So you guys could see, symbolic again, because you couldn't see that Eve was in Adam. He wants you to see the wholeness. First you saw the oneness. Now you see the wholeness of Israel. Right? You saw the future, even what was to come. They're supposed to help. They're supposed to have been together. Hold hands. All of his people supposed to have been together and love and, and the oneness. Amen. But then one of them decided not to obey. Let loose. Part. Division. Disobeyed God, right? So now you have a north and a south kingdom of Israel. And this is what you see in most marriages. Because division brings strife. See, you're dividing your thoughts. Which way you're going? Now you don't have a direction because you're a unit. Now you don't have a mission because you're a unit and you can't work together the Father can't come and get you because you're not one. This is why he says he's going to come. He come for the lost first, the house of Israel. But the house of Judah returned back to God and obey. But the southern group of Israel decided not to continue and to go into the world, thinking like the world, by what I see. I need more money. This is not enough. I'm worrying. I'm depressed. All these things. And so the house, the south house, the house of Judah says, you can't come back with me. And you can't come back with me because you have assimilated with the world. You have carnal and you have spiritual and they are hostile. Hear me in the marriage. It's hostile. This is the problem. You have spiritual and you have a, you have a carnal person. You're hostile and you hate each other. I don't care how much you say you love each other. If one is walking by their carnal senses, you hate God and you hate me because I'm being led by the Spirit. Don't go nowhere. Don't go nowhere. Mm. See, but when the God says in the end he's going to come back. He's coming for his. Amen. He said in the and my children they know my name and and those that I divorce they're able to come back if they repent. Now, the oneness and how I created you, I can't come back with a divided house. You have to be united. Stand back behind him, wife. 
Now, when he come back, it has to be like that. It have to be from the original state of Adam because he was hidden in Adam. See, but this is what's going on in marriages. And people are trying to hurry up and get married, do this and that. You need to wait because this is for grown-up spiritual people. Yeah, grown-up spiritual, mature in the spirit. Because if not, you're going to be in the most miserable situation, hating. I don't care if you don't say the word hate, you do. You can call it some other name, but you're not joyful going home. You know why? Because I'm going to have to deal with that. Thank you, Wolfpack. I'm going to have to deal with that. I'm going to have to see that. You doing your own thing. I'm doing my own thing. And I see you when I see you. We're talking about a radical change. There has to be a radical change in our life. You need that now. You need to know your identity. You have to have a deeper insight of who you are. There's a reason why God has given Pastor and myself the new man. Why? How many places of faith really talks about this new man and the Messiah? How many places really talk about your identity in Christ and who you are and where your original roots really are? Why did he give us that? Knowing that many other Christians wouldn't want to have anything to do with us. It says this, those who are lost are confused. They don't know which way they're going, Pastor. They don't, they don't know the voice of the word anymore. They have built their own beliefs in what God, what the Bible is saying. Tradition. The most terrifying thing is this, I'm going to leave you with this, is to encounter that you meet yourself. You meet yourself. You meet the person you could have been, but you didn't know your identity. You actually meet the person. The worst encounter you can have, Terrence, is that you actually look in the mirror Nicole, and you see the person that you could have been. That's the worst encounter to have in life. That's something that would haunt you for the rest of life. So let's that you will look in the mirror and see the person that you were meant to be. You need to know your identity. Your identity is not defeat. Your identity is not, I'm overwhelmed. Your identity is not, I don't know how I'm going to make it. That's not your identity. See, and this causes you then to be scattered in your mind and forgetting who God is and not desiring God, not knowing his name anymore, not recognizing, responding to the word of God. But when you remember, God will draw you back to himself. When you remember your true identity, 
God will draw you back to himself. Decide today. Really, Father, I've, I've been in church, doing church things, but I haven't lived my true identity. Because if I don't know, just not know about my, my original roots, but to actually live them, and not the ones that I select to do and make excuses as to why I'm still celebrating pagan holidays. We're still doing it. You can still put God on what, you can stamp him on whatever you want to put him on. Secret society, all these different clubs, you can put him on what you want to put him on. But if it's not in the word of God, God didn't say do it. And you can say all you want. Well, I know what God told me. God doesn't speak outside of his word. If you can find that in the word of God, then yes, he told you. But not to find a scripture and make it fit into what you want it to fit into. Because God is very clear on how to serve him. How to recognize him and how to celebrate him. See, this is why we don't know what it really means to raise our hand. Because you know why? We've been somewhere to where we didn't know, we weren't taught our true identity. So it's awkward for me to raise my hand. It's awkward for me to, to say great things audibly about God. Because I wasn't taught my true identity. Demand today radical change. Struggle with God for your change. But tell him who you really are. So there can be an exchange of your identity. Pray that the word of God has really touched your heart. Has found you in a place that has never found you before. That you're able to really witness and celebrate God the way that he created you and worship him. Don't look for another word. Be something so exciting. Every word that God has spoken is beautiful. Every word is beautiful. Always should be joy in your heart when you hear your Savior speak. Be blessed. For those who have... I need for prayer. The altar is open. Our ministers are coming up.